Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com. And across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. You know it. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is The Michael Duke Show. And it is Tuesday. You know what that means. Yes. Uh, tacos. No, it wasn't Brad. It was tacos. All right. I, all Everybody has to admit it. We look forward to Brad, but it's grudgingly because the pain, the pain, all the good stuff that's about to come forward on this beautiful Tuesday morning uh, is uh, is is coming from Brad. We've got a big selection of topics this morning uh, to talk about with him, including a little bit of taxation without rec- representation, the burning of the PFD, and finally, whether or not George Orwell actually had Alaska in mind when he wrote 1984. I don't know if that's true or not, but we're going to find out. It's going to be a good thing. So let's get into it today. A torture Tuesday, says Donna. Yeah, it could be that. But tacos sound much better, doesn't it? I mean, it could be breakfast tacos made with bacon shells. You ever seen where they've taken bacon and made taco shells out of bacon? That's what I want this morning. Just saying. Just say it. All right. Well, without further ado, we should jump right down into it and get to the meat of this morning because uh, Brad's waiting in the wings and we got a lot of stuff to cover today. So let's get to it, shall we? Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. How are you? You know, there there are no complaints in my world. Um, well, there's tons of complaints, but uh, there's no complaints right now that I can verbally express in my world. Uh, how about yourself? <laughs> Huh? Have you ever have you ever spilled your coffee right before you went on the air? Uh, I have. Uh, in fact, I remember one year I actually spilled a cup. I was in a studio, not my own. I was in a radio station studio, and they had a piece of equipment where you used to push buttons to play sound effects and liners and stuff like that. Uh, no, it was the phone. I'm sorry. It was the phone system. And I literally picked my coffee cup up and dragged it and dumped it on that piece of equipment. I still... <laughs> To this day, it is my worst moment in rate because it was literally about 20 seconds before I went on air. And so I had a show where I had no phone calls, and it was a show that I'd planned to have phone calls. Um, and in fact, I think we had to send that piece of equipment back to the manufacturer to have it rebuilt. That was how bad it was. I learned, well, I didn't, do, I didn't do that. I learned I to be think. very careful with my coffee in a studio. So yes, I have done that, Brad. Why? Did you just spill your coffee? Well, not not to that extent. I thought I thought I had a bad situation, but it looks like uh, it's just small small potatoes compared yeah, to that. Yeah, that's a little behind baseball. That was about 20, 20 years ago, twenty two years ago. I still remember looking down at it as the theme music is playing, <laughs> and I'm looking at this coffee running off this machine, and I just went, "Oh my god!" Anyway, it was just one of those things. What are you going to do? Um, at, least, at least you didn't spill it into the board, though. right? Oh my gosh, that would have been. Oh, that would have been so bad. 
All right. Uh, well, Bradley, let's uh, let's dive into it, my friend. We got uh, we got some we got some serious ground to cover this morning, um, and so let's uh, let's get into it. Taxation without representation. Of course, we know famously that that is one of the uh, whole reasonings and uh, and uh, you know justifications for the Revolutionary War and uh, the pushback against the federal government. Those are some those are some strong words, Brad. What do, what do we got here? Give me the, give me your thoughts on what's going on. Well, I'm not I'm not intending them all the way in that context. But last week I was listening to the budget presentations before the the various fin- the finance committees, mm-hmm. the Senate Finance Committee and the House Finance Committee. And as I listened to the Finance Committee and listened to the questions and listened to the discussion, um, I sat there thinking more and more that this group is just out of touch. I mean, they were complaining about they were complaining about the the budget format and how it was showing deficits in all those future years. And they didn't want it to show that. <laughs> and so they started talking about, oh, we need to redo the the law that, that governs how you present budgets so they don't they don't look like this. We want you to and, hide our deficits in the future because we just I don't want la 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 you know, right? Sticking their fingers in their ears. And so and so the more the more curious I got, I've had this notion in the back of my head for a while, but I got really curious about the economic situation that that the members of the finance committees, indeed the members of the legislature in general face, and and whether that's realistic, whether that's a representation um, of Alaska, especially after the uh, pay raise they gave themselves uh, last session. So I dug into it, uh, and you can find all the information you need on the APOC reports. Those are self-reported legislative finance, uh, public disclosure, self-reported public disclosures by the legislators themselves about the sources and extent of their income. Um, and so I dug into those using the House Finance Committee as a, as a microcosm of the legislature. I could have used House leadership. I could have used the House minority. I could have used Senate finance. I could have used any of them. They're all about the same as I sampled through. But I dug it. The House finance is really this is where this sense really hit me. And so I dug into House Finance. Uh, and ultimately, it turned into the column for the week uh, for the landmine. The head, headline is, is the fact that legislators live in a much different economic world than 80% of Alaska families leading to deep PFD cuts? And, and what I found as I, as I went through and analyzed the, 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 the income of the legislators is that looking at their income, they're out of touch with average Alaska families. Um, they, they report their income in a range. They include, it's line item, and so their legislative salary is in there, and so the PFDs they receive is in there. And so to do the analysis, I backed out the legislative salary that they reported because the latest reports are 2022 under the old legislative salary scheme. I backed out the legislative salaries and, and put in the new legislative salaries that took effect the first of this year. And because I wanted to analyze the impact of PFD cuts on them, I backed out the old PFD and I in- included a full PFD uh, because you need to do that in order to analyze the impact of, of compare PFD cuts, the impact of PFD cuts against, against other revenue options. And then I, I took that, that um, uh, income for each of, the, each of the members of House Finance and I looked at it and, and I looked at what the impact on them was of four different funding approaches, four different revenue approaches. The first was a flat tax. And I and you can get the flat tax out of, interestingly enough, out of the legislative finance or legislative finance divisions 
overview of the governor's uh, annual budget. Uh, they, they talk about in there, there's a sentence in there, an analysis in there of how much uh, a flat tax would need to be to raise so much dollars. And you can scale it up or scale it down as, you, as, need, as the need arises. So I look at, at, at the impact on them of a flat tax to raise the revenue that they've been talking about raising. I looked at the impact on POMV 5050. POMV 5050 doesn't raise all of the revenue that they've been talking about needing. So you have to find some way to, to, to get that additional revenue. And you can't use additional PFD cuts or else it wouldn't be P POMV 5050. So I used a flat tax to fill in that remaining gap after, uh, after POMV 5050. And then I looked at HB 156, which is Representative Galvin's claimed income tax. Um, it's not really, it's just sort of thin veneer of income tax on top of a head tax. Uh, but I looked at HB 156, that doesn't raise enough revenue. So you have to, you have to fill in the gap. And I filled in that gap with a PFD cut. And then I looked at POMB 2575, which is the Senate's proposal and the proposition that a lot of the House members, well, in fact, the majority of the House members voted for at the end of last session in connection with voting to approve the budget and looked at the impact on them under, under those four uh, revenue alternatives. The flat tax, it turns out, the flat tax took the most of all of the options for all of them, uh, for all of the members of the, of the House Finance Committee. They paid the most under a flat tax. The next most uh, under um, uh, 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 HB1, well, some of them paid the next most under HB156. Some of them paid the next most under POMB5050. They paid the least, all of the legislators paid the least under POMV 2575. That is, they were the best off personally by, by they, 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 they gave up the, less, the least government by, uh, by passing POMV 2575. So it was in their best interest to pass POMV 2575 as opposed to any of those other revenue measures. And Michael's got the, got the chart up. You can, see, you can see the impact. I looked especially at Sarah Hannon, who, uh, who really upset me last year when she talked about you know, the free ride of the PFD and looked at the impact on her. And you can see that the flat tax affects her the most and POMB, uh, POMB, uh, HB 156 would affect her the least, but POMB 2575 is pretty close. All right, so I did that for the legislators. And then I went and looked at what the impact is on the remaining 80%, all the legislators in the top 20%, by the way, once they pass the legislative, the salary increase, it moved them all into the top 20%. Um, and so then I went and looked at what the impact of these various revenue, revenue measures are on the remaining 80% of Alaska families, the upper income, middle 20%, the lower middle 20%, and the low 20%. And those numbers are, are fascinating. Those numbers show that for every income category, the flat tax takes the least of all of all the four revenue measures. The flat tax takes the least. That's the revenue measure that took the most out of the members of the of the House Finance Committee. And then you go through and you see that POMB fifty fifty takes the next least. Uh, Elise Galvin's would take uh, the next least uh, for uh, for. Uh, uh, all of the members at sort of a wash at middle at the at the upper middle twenty percent, but for the rest of the measures, it takes it takes more than POMB fifty fifty, certainly more than a flat tax for the other eighty percent of Alaska families, and POMB twenty five seventy five. Every 
income bracket, upper middle, middle, lower middle, and low 20%, every income bracket, POMB 25 takes the most. So you compare those two and what's going, and, and you compare the impact of the two, for the, for the house finance members, flat tax would take the most. POMB 2575 takes the least for right. the majority of the House Finance Committee members. Well, and I think we need to talk about the numbers. So House Finance, the average take, the flat tax is always 4.1% based on your numbers. That's what it would take from everyone. But the POMB 2575 only takes 1.8% of their income from House Finance members based on their average income. Whereas the lower 20%, it would take 18%. Lower middle, almost 9%. Middle 20%, 6%. Upper middle 20%, 4.8%. So we're talking about two and a half times a tax what, uh, in the upper middle than what the house finance uh, you know, top 20% would be making uh, or 18% for the low. I mean, this is, these are huge numbers. They are. And, and, and they're, hugely, they're hugely telling. I mean, what it tells you is all of the members of House Finance, indeed, all of the members of the legislature after the pay increase they gave themselves, all of them are benefiting, uh, benefit the most in terms of a revenue measure from eight, from POMB 2575, either POMB 2575 or Elise Galvin's bill. But, but that takes the least for the majority of the House Finance Committee members, POMB 2575, and on average for the House Finance Committee members, POMB 2575, takes the least, but it takes a huge amount from, from the remaining 80%, from the upper middle, middle, lower middle, and, and low 20% of Alaska families. Flat tax takes the most from the House Finance Committee members, but it takes the least from the remaining 80% of Alaska families. So, I, you know, some people could sit here and say, look, so what's really going on when you boil it all down? What's really going on in the legislature is they're going through Kabuki Theater and they end up voting themselves the least impactful revenue measure on them. You get to the end of the legislature, the Senate, the Senate blew through uh, POMB 2575, the House, the House agreed to it. That was the least impactful on them. They voted to take the least amount out of their pockets, but the most amount out of the other uh, 80% of Alaska families. I'm not sure that that they're that that you can say that that they are as a body voting in, in, intentionally in their self-interest. But what I do think it says is that they're out of touch. They, by, particularly with the pay raise, they just voted themselves. They voted themselves into a pay bracket that is into an income bracket that is out of touch with the other 80% of Alaska families. And they're not feeling the same economic impact of these measures at all. They're not feeling the same economic impact of these measures as the remaining 80% of Alaska families. And as I said, there's no, <laughs> there's not even an upper middle on the legislature anymore. Given the pay increase they've given themselves, they're all in the top 20%. There's no one from the other 80% in the legislature. The governor's not in the other 80%. Right. No one, no one, in, no one in, in, the, in the 60 in the legislature or in the one that's the governor, no one is in the other 80%. So, it raises the question in my mind, do we have taxation without representation? Do we have these people, these legislators adopting revenue measures that are that that benefit them hugely, benefit them, 
um, and, and, and protect them. But the other 80% of Alaska families who are getting hit hardest with the revenue measure they're using don't have, doesn't have anybody there to, 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 to protect their interests, to at least articulate their interests as a, as, as part of the committee deliberations. So I, it, it's, it's a really, I mean, this analysis, I think, it is really odd. I mean, we've got a legislature that is that is protecting itself at the expense of the other 80 percent of Alaska families. It's uh, when you look at the numbers, you realize how stark and how dramatic it is. Again, 18 percent, 18 and a half percent tax on the lowest income earners and a 1.8 percent on the highest income earners. Uh, and everybody else in between is getting gouged as well. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty stark reality when you look at it. And like you said, maybe not intentionally, but the ancillary effects are the same. It doesn't really matter whether it's intentional or not. That's what's, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. There's more to this article. You can go out and look at it at the landmine. Uh, it's his latest piece uh, posted uh, on Friday. Uh, uh, Brad Keithley's Chart of the Week is what it's called. I've got links up in the chat room. You can go take a look at it. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Number two is Dead Ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Brad Keithley is our guest. Uh, Brad, you had another chart on there, so we didn't get a chance to get to it, but I think it's also very telling. I'm going to go ahead and pull that one up uh, so that people can uh, so people can take a look at it real quick as well. Maybe you can explain what we're looking at uh, in this chart as well. Um, oh. <clears throat> this is, yeah, this so is this, pretty, this is pretty sorry, telling. I'm just going to say this is pretty telling right here. So this is the one where, I mean... I, I need to do something graphic every week as part of the chart of the week. So I just put, I took the table charts and I put them into a graphic chart and the graphic chart, the, the four bars represent the four different, the four different revenue options, the flat tax, the POMB 50, 50, the, the, the Elise Galvin bill, and then POMB 75, uh, 25, 75 is in, uh, is in green. And I charted the impact as a percent, as a share of income, uh, the way you do any tax as a share of income uh, for each of the members on the left and then for the remaining 80% of Alaska families by income bracket on the right. And, and, and so you can see in, in bar form, the impact of each of the revenue measures on any given legislator, and you can see in bar form the, the impact of each of the uh, revenue measures on the other 80% of Alaska families and, and the slope on the bars um, uh, for the for the revenue measure for the uh, fiscal, uh, finance committee members is downward. That is that is flat tax is the highest, and then it slopes down to POMB twenty five seventy five for mo most of the members, and on average, for most of the members as being the lowest. The slope on the right side, same same order of the bars. The slope on the right side for the other eighty percent of Alaska families is up, <laughs> which means that 
that the flat tax, the 4.1% flat tax is the lowest impact on, on the other 80% of Alaska families. And then it slopes up to where POMB 2575 is the highest. And Michael's been referring to the impact on the low, lowest 20%. And that's that that's the bar that really throws everything off here. It shows it's a huge, huge impact of POMB 2575 on the lowest, on the lowest 20%. Right. So it's just it's a graphic way of of presenting the same information. Yeah, which I there, think a lot of times gives you a real perspective instead of just raw numbers. You can look at the actual graphic and go, ow. Uh, I mean, just ow <laughs> when you look at it. It's definitely, definitely uh, painful when you when you look at it that way. There, there's one other there's one other use that this that this graph in particular uh, is useful for. Four point one, the, the flat tax rate is the average impact across all Alaska families. That's what a flat tax is. You take the same as a percent as a share of income from all Alaska families. So it's the average rate across all Alaska families. And and when you when you use a revenue measure that's lower than the average, that means somebody's paying less than the average. And it and it also means that somebody's paying more than the average in order to subsidize that that shortfall that's occurring with with whoever's paying less than the average. So you can look across the bar and you can see that all of the under the very under all of the various revenue options other than, other than flat tax, all of the members of the House Finance Committee are paying less than the four point one percent. They're paying less than the average impact on all uh, on all uh, on, on under all the revenue measures. All the the other eighty percent of Alaska families, upper middle, upper middle, middle, lower middle, and the low twenty percent are all paying above four point one percent under all of the rev, other revenue options. They're all paying above average. And what's going on is this: what 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 economists and what people in the tax world call, talk about is cross subsidies. The the other eighty percent are paying this huge cross subsidy more than the average, so that the so that the upper twenty percent, including the House Finance Committee members and all the legislators, so that so that the other so that the upper twenty percent can pay less. What's the real free ride of a of the Alaska fiscal system? Is that the 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 upper the 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 other eighty percent are pay, are paying more? They're they're creating a free ride that the House Finance Committee members and the upper twenty percent are are taking advantage of. Sarah Hannon is a recipient of the free ride. She's not she's not a giver of the free ride. She is a recipient of the free ride. Free rides die hard, my friend. All right. <clears throat> I just, that quote is so awesome. All right, we got to go. Uh, we're coming back into it. Number two is Dead Ahead, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share. Brad is our guest for the remainder of the hour. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. I don't know why he laughs so much about that. All right, we got more coming up. Hour one continues. Uh, we're on to number two of the weekly top three. Uh, Brad, um, hit us with it. What is number two? Well, number two is is sort of this juxtaposition that we had in the press. It's not much of a juxtaposition, a, a difference that we had in the press. It's not much of one, but but I I, I saw I saw a small bloom. On, on the issue that I talk about the most, and I and I wanted to I wanted to highlight it. I wanted to give credit to it. So Governor Dunleavy wasn't it wasn't Governor Dunleavy that caused the blue, but 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 
to set it up, to set the juxtaposition up, I need to talk about Dunleavy. So Dunleavy, in his State of the State, gives a you know speech about resource development and about all sorts of all sorts of great things, education and, and other stuff. And he gets to the end, and and he starts talking about the manager of the subway store on Government Hill, and how she's representative of the real Alaskans, the ones that go to work every day, the ones that don't have aren't able to hire lobbyists, the ones that aren't able to uh, uh, get out there and, and you know, be political um, to, you know, take the time to go down to Juneau to lobby, the to, to talk to the members, just an everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill Alaskan highlights her and says, you know, she's the one that we should be here for. She's the one that, you know, that, that to, to whom the PFD is important. She's the one, that's the, that's the guts of Alaska that we need to be worrying about right there. Um, and it's a really, I mean, it's a good segment to the speech. It's the end of the speech. He didn't highlight it much, but it's the end of the speech. And it's a really, it, it's a, it's a good way of, of, uh, of talking about it. And, you know, looking at the chart that we had in segment one, she's the other 80% of Alaskans. She's the ones for whom the PFD takes the most using the PFD cuts as a revenue measure takes, uh, takes the most, but he doesn't go ahead. He never goes well. He did last spring, but he hasn't since gone ahead and said, and we need to do something about that because we continue to re run these deficits. He should have said, look at my budget. We're continuing to run deficits through the end of the decade. They get bigger and bigger and bigger. The only way to the only way that 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 we've left out there to fill them is PFD cuts. He didn't go ahead and say, and we need to do some revenue redesign in order to make sure that we're not taking any more from her than we're taking from any other. Alaska family in the top 20% or anywhere else. Right. That that's what he should have gone ahead and said, but he doesn't. He just talks about, yeah, she, she's important. She's the one for, for whom we ought to be fighting. She's the one that, that you know, for whom the PFD is important, but we're not going to do anything for her. <laughs> we just, I just wanted to highlight her. I just <laughs> wanted to get her out there. It's not, it's not like, you know, it's not like we really consider it. And then you go through the rest of the press over the course of the week. And there's this editorial that's in the Alaska beacon from all of the great luminaries of K through 12 about it's time for a significant per student increase in Alaska school funding. Then you get Kathy Giesel talking about how it's time for defined benefits. And then you get Julie Cologne talking about how it's time for, you know, state subsidized childcare through a, through a tax credit. She'll say, Oh no, it's private business. We're just going to give them a tax credit. Well, a tax credit is a state subsidy gang. And, you know, and she talks about how important that is. I do want to highlight one thing, though. In the Frontiersman, there was an editorial written by uh, the Alaska Council of School Administrators, and it go and it says the K through 12 fiscal cliff. Who's responsible? Everyone. I thought, well, okay, that's an interesting headline. Let me read that. If everyone's responsible for the fiscal cliff, what are they going to say about who pays? And and ninety nine point nine percent of it is about is about how the oh great I just I just clicked off the uh, hang on a second ninety nine point nine percent of it is about um, how important it is to increase the BSA to increase payments to 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 K through twelve you just can't do it to teachers you got to do it to school staff too and just you know it goes on and on and on about how important it is. But here is the last sentence, the very, very last sentence. You got to fight through the entire editorial and all of the all of the repetition to get down to this last sentence. But here's the last sentence. The fiscal cliff is here 
We are, we are all responsible and we must all do something. We and others will be advocating for K through 12 funding. Indeed they are. And these are the key words, last, set, last words of the editorial, and are willing to pay an income tax. <laughs> That's the first time I have seen any, and the only time, not only the first, but the only time I've seen any of the K through 12, you know, industry, any of them say that they're willing to, uh, willing to pay something uh, uh, toward themselves, all of whom are in the top 20%, all the administrators are. Will, willing to pay themselves toward the costs of, uh, of, of funding K through 12. Only time. And it's, what is it? It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. That's the only time. Justin Refridge at a, at a House, um, was it House Finance, at a committee, meeting, a committee hearing uh, yesterday uh, where all the BSA argument was being presented. Maybe it was education, but... It was, it was, a, a the hearing was on how, how we need to increase the, the K through 12 or it turned into a committee hearing on where the, where the speakers uh, talked about how we need to increase K through 12. Justin Refridge asked a couple of the speakers, a couple of the testifiers, well, how do you want to pay for this? You want deeper PFD cuts? You want, you want to increase oil taxes? You want to overdraw the permanent fund earnings reserve? Or you, you want to, you want to pay for it yourselves? They didn't answer. <laughs> <laughs> they dodged the question. They went out yeah. and talked about something else. Yeah, no, that's not a question that they want to answer. But it is their solution to everything. Uh, I'm reading that piece in the Alaska Beacon uh, from all these people who were part of, uh, what do they call it? Raise the AKBSA, a group of parents, educators, support staff, and paraprofessionals who are advocating for raising the base student allocation. They go on. There's one segment. There's one there's one paragraph in this uh, uh, in this uh, editorial that I wanted to highlight when I read it. Uh, it says, you know, to increase the BSA, to improve student outcomes, to raise the BSA, to invest in our use, to raise the BSA, to attract businesses, to raise the BSA to strength. And that goes on for a whole paragraph about how this is the end all be all. This is the thing we've been looking for. I mean, it's just it's become a mantra. I mean, this is like a religious fervor at this point. If you are not about raising the BSA, you are a heretic. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's a religious fervor, but they don't want to convert. I mean, they don't. Right, they don't right. Wanna... As long as the peasants pay, they're okay. <laughs> and and the and the peasants. I mean, I, I want to go back to that chart one more time from the first segment. As long the peasants are the other eighty percent of Alaska families. It's the other 80% of Alaska. You know, sometimes some people say, oh, I'm in the upper middle. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be okay. No, you're overpaying too. That's, that's what the chart shows. It, the chart shows that every income bracket, except the top 20%, and the legislators have made sure they're all in the top 20% now. Every income bracket other than the top 20% is paying more by using something other than a flat tax uh, and, and paying the most by using POMB 2575, right. the legislature's preferred preferred alternative. Well, I mean, look, uh, you know, uh, uh, credit where credit's due, at least Ruffridge asked the question of who's going to pay and how are you going to pay for it? And no, I mean, the fact it's very telling that nobody wants to answer. It was the same thing on the on the defined benefits. Nobody wants to talk about how much it's going to be. I mean, it passes out of committee without a note. I mean, it's just we've got to have it. It's going to save us. It's going to it's the one thing that's going to keep us going and put a chicken in every pot. But no idea of how we're going to pay. Same thing with the BSA. Same freaking thing with the BSA. Nobody knows. Nobody wants to talk about it. 
And and you know if they if they and the reason they don't want to talk about it is because they know if they did talk about it that that even some of them would oppose it because they don't want to pay a tax. Oh no! As long as we can shove the costs off on the other eighty percent of Alaska families, it's great. It's a chicken in every pot. It is the be all and end all. But wait, you want to make me pay for part of it? No, wait. The cost benefit isn't isn't working here for me. So so as long as we can get everybody else to pay for it. We think it's a great thing. I, I give credit. I give credit to these, to the to the authors in the in the frontiersmen for at least having the guts to face up to the issue and say that they're willing to pay an income tax. Now they didn't say how much of an income tax. You know, at least Galvin says she's willing to pay an income tax, but it's this thin veneer on top of the on top of a huge head on top of a huge head tax. It's on top of an even deeper PFD cut that you need to that you need to complete all the funding. But at least they said, you know, they're willing to do something. They're willing to contribute something toward the solution to the problem. The rest of these people, they just want they just want it solved. They want somebody else to pay for it. That that's their their solution is solve it on the backs of somebody else. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm done. It's. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's. This is the problem, and we've been harping on this for a while. But again, nobody in the legislature is still answering this question. I mean. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, okay, great. You want all this stuff. You want all the bells and whistles, whatever it is, fill in the blank, defined benefits or, you know, whatever. How are we going to pay for it? Let's go back to number one. Well, we don't want to see this whole budgetary thing where there's deficits going out. We don't want to see that. But that's the yeah, That's what we all have to face. We all have to face that in our personal lives, in our business lives. We have to face, you know, deficits and everything else. I mean, you just want us to hide it all from you and pretend that it's all just going to be fine? That's exactly what they want. That's exactly, that was the, I mean, that's the thing that just really got me going on this issue. That was the tenor of the discussion. And it wasn't just Democrats. I mean, Bryce was leading it, but Delena was part of it. I mean, it, 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 it's all of them. They're all just, you know, living in this other world about, you know, we know it'll be better. We know we'll make the PFD cuts. So let's just not tell anybody how deep the deficits are, or how deep the PFD cuts, how deep the PFD cuts are, are. Let's just, I'll tell you what's going to happen, uh, what they want. They just want to take the permanent fund earnings and the whole POMB draw and just stick it into revenue and forget about the PFD. And then they'll say, oh, we're done. We've, we've got this covered. In fact, we got money to spare. We got money to burn. You want, you want to increase the, B3, the, the, the BSA? Fine, we'll do that. You want to increase you know, defined benefits? Fine, we'll do that. You want to do child care uh, uh, credits? Fine, we'll do that. Because we got all this money to burn <laughs> for a couple of years, and then it'll be, oh, you Alaskans, you really need to pay your fair share. You've been getting a free ride. You know, we all need to pull together, and everybody needs to feel. We all need to feel that. You know, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. I mean, it's inevitable. And yeah. they and they act like it's <clears throat> and they act like they can just wish it away. And when we get there, it's going to be a tax. <laughs> It's going to be a tax like Elise Galvin's, which is this thin veneer of a tax so that we can say we have a tax. But then this head, this, this head tax that's sitting on top of a huge PFD cut below it uh, that's, that's paying for it. And they'll say, oh, we got a tax now. Doesn't affect us much, but we got a tax now. <laughs> right, right. Uh, all right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Quick tease, quick, quick tease on number three. What is number three? Oh, Orwell. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about the Orwellianization of Alaska, uh, of the language of Alaska fiscal policy. Oh, man, some animals are more equal than others is what I hear there. Uh, we're going to be back with more. Brad Keithley, our guest, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. You can join us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to do in between the shows here. We'll be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Brad Keeley is our guest. Man, we're in rare form today. I don't <clears throat> I don't know. Um uh, I love how Randy says, I'm in the bottom 80% and I work out of cold in my job and I'm not willing to pay a state income tax. Let me, uh, let me just go back to this. Uh, let me just go back to this chart for you here. Uh, 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 uh Randy, take a look at that chart. Where do you fall on that chart? Are you in the middle, the lower or the middle 20% income bracket? Look at what you're paying already. You're paying the green line right now. Okay, let me let me real quick here. Let me let me look at this. So what is the median income? The median income uh, for uh, for the upper for the middle sixty nine thousand. So you're either making over forty one thousand or you're making, you know, up to seventy thousand dollars a year. Okay, that would be the middle. That would be the middle 20 percent. Let's go back to the uh, let's go back to this chart again here. So if you're in the middle or the lower, look at those green lines. That's what you're paying right now, Randy. You're either paying you're paying between 6.1 and 8.9% of your income towards with that PFD cut. That's what you're paying right now. And you're saying, "Oh, I don't want to pay 4.1% because I wouldn't get you would still have a net increase of between 2 and <clears throat> almost 4% of your income." So, there you go. I mean, you know, there you go. If that's if that's what you want to get to, I I mean I just don't know what to say to you, Randy. You're already paying. You're already paying right now. Would it be less in the in the end or not? I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Um, ben Carpenter says we also. I'm sorry, Brad. You wanted to say something? Go ahead. Well, I yeah yeah. I, all I want to say is this: Randy's not only not only paying more, he's paying to subsidize Sarah Hannon. Sarah Hannon is paying less because Randy pays more. Sarah Hannon's paying less than the average because Randy's paying more than the average. Yeah. If he wants to subsidize Sarah Hannon, I have no problem with that. Cut her a check, write her a check directly. But don't take it out of the other 80% of Alaska families. Don't take the dollars out of the pockets of the other 80% of Alaska families in order to subsidize Sarah yeah. Hannon. Uh, ben Carpenter says, we also don't talk enough about growing our economy as a revenue generation option. Why is that? Well, because the public and the private economy are completely divorced in this state because there is no connective tissue between the public and the private economy. They don't care what happens in the private economy because they don't draw any revenue source from that. It doesn't matter. That's why we're not talking about growing our economy. The only economy they're talking about growing is the government economy. They talk about growing that all the time with no connection to reality of where does that money come from. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Defined I benefits. Yeah. Defined benefits. We need that for our government employees. The private sector employees. Yeah. I don't know. 
Pound sand. Pound sand. I don't know if they need it or not. I don't know. I don't care about them. I care about the government employees. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's obvious. Uh, what was one of the comments? And I, I caught this. Did I highlight it? I, hi- I think I highlighted it in this. Oh, yeah. It was this article in the ADN talking about yesterday's meeting where they all talked about how they need. Oh, we've got these impacts. They had all the school people in there about how it was so hard and it was so bad. And we need all this thing. And uh, I loved how they were basically saying they made a quote in there. We have a hundred and where is it? Um, We had 158 school support positions that are empty right now. And all I could think of was good. What we need is teachers, not school support, not, you know, not all these other ancillary administrative positions. What we need is more teachers. And they're worried about 158 empty support positions. I mean, come on. I understand some of these things probably makes it more helpful and blah, blah, blah. But some of that is just inertia. I mean, when I went to high school, there was a principal, a vice principal, the office staff, and a guidance counselor. That was it. I mean, there was 50 teachers and there was 12 support staff. Now it's 50 teachers and 100 support staff. Where do you think all the money's going? Just do the math on that. Sorry, I'm getting a little wrapped up here. Well, good. And, and to Ben's point, so we had this, we have a hearing day devoted to K through 12, devoted to all the impacts on K through 12. Do we have a similar hearing day about small businesses? Do we, do we have the manager of the Government Hill subway down to talk about the impact on her of her of PFD cuts? Do we have, do we have people from small businesses in Anchorage or, or Bethel or Fairbanks or, or Wasilla come down to talk about? No. <laughs> we, because to Ben's point, we don't care about government. We don't care about small business. We only right. care about government. Right. We only care about our employees. Yeah, maybe we're affecting you by our people, but, but we don't want to hear about that. Just like we don't want to hear about the deficits anymore. We don't want to hear about that. So we're not gonna we're not gonna hold a hearing for you. We're just gonna hold a hearing for government because that's all we really care about. <sighs> Randy said, I pay a federal income tax, but I don't pay a state income tax. I'm grateful for the permanent. You totally missed the point, didn't you, Randy? I mean, sometimes I wonder if that's intentional. I love you to death, but seriously, I just think. All right, uh, we're coming back into it. Uh, We're 12 seconds out. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff. Here we go right now. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, here we go. Final segment, Brad Keithley, who has evoked George Orwell. I don't know if this would be like Godwin's law where everything gets compared to Nazis. Maybe there's an Orwellian law where everything gets compared to George Orwell. But I think this is some interesting stuff. So let's uh, let's get started here, Brad. Um, let's talk about your thoughts on maybe George Orwell is applicable to what's happening here in the uh, in the state of Alaska in their fiscal plan. Well, there's there's two there's two senses that that people leap to when you when you say Orwell. One is totalitarian government, and the second is Newspeak, the use of language to control thought. And I'm not talking about the first. <laughs> I want to make that perfectly clear. I'm not comparing Alaska to the totalitarian state that, that Orwell talked about in 1984. But I am going to talk about 
comparing Alaska Alaska's fiscal language to to uh, to Newspeak, the creation of a Newspeak uh, that people are trying to do. This started last week <clears throat> in a conversation I was having with somebody about what was going on down to, down in the legislature, and they were using the term surplus that we had a surplus a 1980 uh, a, a 2024 at a fiscal year 2024, we had a surplus and the supplemental was not spending to the, the supplemental the governor proposed didn't use up all of the surplus that that uh, the legislature had uh, available to it. And so there was room in the surplus. You see a theme here. There was a room in there was room in the surplus to add on additional uh, FY24 spending. And they would certainly be advocated, advocating for uh, for you know, going back to 24 and adding in some spending there to lessen the load on FY25, a, a, a fiscal trick that the people sometimes use. And I finally got tired of this discussion of a surplus. And, and I said, what the hell are you talking about the surplus? Well, they cut so much of the PFD, they cut even more of the PFD in FY24 than they needed just to balance the budget. They cut it even deeper. They went to PLMV 2575, which wasn't necessary to balance the budget, but they went all the way there. And the additional revenue they created out of that creates a surplus in the regular budget. And, and so now they're talking about this surplus and, and creating all the, all the understanding you have when, when, you, when people talk about, talk about surpluses. We have a surplus in the budget. Oh my God, what are we gonna do about the surplus? How can we spend the surplus? We don't wanna, we don't wanna leave money behind uh, in, in the year. You know, we can use that money for, and it just it just drove me crazy, and as I and as I'm thinking about it, it finally dawned on me what's going on it, down in Juno is we're having the creation of a new speak, where budget deficits, as long as you cover them out of a deep enough PFD cut, as long as you transfer the deficit out of the regular budget into the PFD by cutting the B, the PFD, where deficits become surpluses. And it and it took me back to you know I, I've read 1984 a few times over the years. I think I read the Cliff Notes the first time because the exam was the next day. But but I've read 1984 a few times over the years, and there are various terms in there that that really bring home. For example, Joy Camp. The the term Joy Camp in um, in in 1984 means a forced labor camp, <laughs> but it's a Joy Camp because we all you know we all have joy when we go there. Malreported is the term they use. The, the Times is the official newspaper of the government in 1984, and the and the government reports various things, and that's supposed to be taken as taken as uh, taken as gospel. And and every once in a while, the government wants to change the facts. <laughs> oh, we didn't really lose that battle; we were retreating. Uh, uh, it was a strategic retreat from that battle. We didn't really lose it. We strategic, and so and so when somebody raises, well, the Times said. Then, then, then the government. So the the newspeak is well. That was malreported. Right. That it was. It wasn't that it was. It wasn't that it was right. And we're changing it now. It's that it was wrong then. It was malreported. Even though it was the government's official newspaper, it was malreported then. So you know there is this whole language. For example, for example, Alaska doesn't have taxes. Yeah. There's. There's. Yeah. I've got something like that. Alaska doesn't have taxes. And, 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 you know, and when it's, when it's POMB 5050, uh, Alaska doesn't have taxes. When it's POMB 2575, Alaska doesn't have taxes. Even when it gets down to 
you know, we cut we cut deeper than we needed to. We cut to POMB twenty five seventy five deeper than we needed to to balance the budget. We still don't have taxes, uh, and the budget's balanced, and that extra uh, is is a surplus. And I've got I'm, I'm this is a, a worksheet I'm writing this week's column. I'm going to write it about the Orwellianization of of the language of Alaska fiscal policy. You know, the AS thirty seven thirteen one forty four B and and the other statutes that are part of the POMB. According to, you know, in English, they're part of the law. They're a statute. But when you get to Newspeak, they're the law, the only law that really matters. Right. Forget about the statutory PFD. That's that. This is the law. And then AS 3713145B, which is the, the PFD statute, you know, English in English, it's also part of the law. It's also a statute and it divides permanent fund earnings 50 equally between the use most important, the middle income Alaska families and 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 those in the top 20%. But on the, on the, on the, uh, the Newspeak side, they just don't talk about the statute. They just don't talk about the PFD statute anymore. It's like, it's like it doesn't exist. It is a statute, the same as the POMB statutes. It is part of the law, the same as, as the POMB statutes are part of the law, but they only talk about, they only talk about the POMB statutes. They are the law. And then you get to, you go on down through this list and you get to, you know, 50% of the, permanent fund earnings used to pay a PFD. Well, that's government spending. In the news speak, it's government spending. So we can cut it because it's government spending or it's socialism or it's a free ride. I mean, they they come up with these phrases to deride the PFD. And it's not only the legislators that are doing that. I mean, what's happened just like in Orwell's 1984, the press has picked up on it. Right. And the press now uses these terms. And the pre- and and you go through it and and you and you find press articles. Well, Alaska has no, no taxes. Well, yes, it does. It has PFD cuts, and it has deep deep PFD cut, PFD cuts. I even saw an article that talked about that talked about the surplus in the in the in the FY twenty four budget. Give me a break. So what we have is the manipulation of language on the Alaska fiscal front every bit as much as we had the manipulation of language in George Orwell's 1984. And it's all meant to drive the narrative toward a a specific outcome. And the specific outcome, going back to the first segment, is I don't pay, you all pay. Well, Orwell was very, he's a pretty smart fellow. And he understood that if you capture the language, you can capture the narrative. And then that in turn can drive everything that's happening. And that's what's going on right now. Like you said, uh, you know, we talked about the PFD. If you look back at what the what the writings of Hammond and other people was, they were very specific about what it, what it was and why they did it. But see, today that's changed. Like you said, now it's all socialism. Now it's all free ride. Now it's all this other stuff. Or it's government revenue and we need to cut it, uh, uh, cut the spending so that we can bring it back in-house. It's all a capturing of the language. They've changed the narrative completely and that's they they're very good at that. And and now we've got, you know, now we've an, another example is the statutory PFD. It's the statutory PFD. It's part of the law. It's a statute. But when you look at the newspapers, a statutory PFD is a mega PFD. Right. Big mega PFD. POMV 5050 is a big PFD. Right. And 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 even POMV 75 isn't isn't just right. I it's mean, that's a reasonable. Better. It's a reasonable PFD, right? That's if it becomes reasonable or big right. or mega, or it's all the language that they use here. You could see that the whole thing's been captured. All right, sixty seconds, Brad. Go ahead and summate for us. 
How do I, how do I something? I, I know, this week, I know. The, the, the legislature is out of touch. The legislators are out of touch. They've put themselves in a position where they, they are no longer members of the Alaska economy. They're off in some other, some other fantasy land of their own creation. And now they're creating their own language to justify where they are. I don't know how we fix that given the salary increase, but they are not representing 80% of Alaska families in their fiscal decisions. And something needs to change so that they get back in touch, they get back and connect back connected with the real Alaska economy and real Alaska families. I wish we had a magic pill for that. I don't know if there is one or not. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thanks so much. Folks. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. We're out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. I mean, wow, Brad, even Brad is animated this morning. I mean, yeah, you look at the double speak, you look at the news speak, you look at the fact that they won't answer the question of who pays, you look at the fact that they're shielding themselves, whether intentionally or not, from the bulk of the cost of government. I mean, if you didn't have to pay for anything, wouldn't you get every program you could? Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a, that's a that'd be nice to have. Oh, that would help people right there. I mean, how are we going to pay for it? I'm never asking that question because don't worry, you'll just pay for it. I won't feel a thing. Um, I mean, that's essentially what it boils down to. It is, Michael. And, and, and the legislators... <laughs> You know, you go back and listen to that to that session at House Finance where they're saying, oh, the budget. Yeah, we don't want to hear about that anymore. That's just that's not that's not real. And Delena chimes in on, on, on that issue. I mean, it just that just that I, I just give up at that. I, well, I don't give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep keep being here every week and I'm going to keep writing the column every week. But but it, it's 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 they're out of touch. They've lost connection with reality. They will say that they have connection with reality. They will say, Governor Dunleavy will say, he talks to the manager at the, at the Government Hill subway when he goes in, but he tells her what he wants on his sandwich. He doesn't talk to her about the life she's facing. <laughs> Wait, he's not discussing deep fiscal policy with the manager at subway when he's there getting his foot long? I mean, they, they, people will say they're talking to their constituents, but when they get down to Juneau and they get in that conference room, they're using Newspeak to create a whole different world around them where... You know, those aren't real deficits. We don't want to hear about those anymore. Ah, we just got we, all the permanent fund earnings are ours now. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's it just, it, yeah, it, it is. Unre we have created an un they have created an unreality amongst themselves. And it'd be humorous. It'd be nice to put in a cartoon if it wasn't so damn serious. Yeah. Donna says Milton Friedman said spending is taxing. Alaskans pay 18000 per every man, woman, and child. That's 18000 that could be in the private economy creating jobs and opportunity. I mean, that's how you have to look at it. Every dollar of government spending is a tax because it had to come from somewhere. So there you go. There's a there's a big chunk of it right there. Um, it's It's, oh my gosh, Ben just said, to fix a problem requires a plan. I wish we had one of those. I mean... I feel bad for you, Ben. I really, really do. I mean, I just, <clears throat> you're trying, you're trying so hard. And uh, unfortunately, it's like, it's the little boy with his finger in the dike. And there's just, you don't, don't have enough fingers or holes at this point to, uh, to match it all up. It's, and it's not, and it's not, I mean, God love it. Wish we could blame it on just the, uh, just the, the, the house minority, but it's not, 
it's the it's the house majority as well they're they're in on this on this discussion uh as well i mean they're 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 using new speak language as well delena was part of the oh yeah the, the budget doesn't represent the the plan doesn't represent you know reality anymore it does represent reality it is the reality it's the reality you want to avoid by using new speak delena I love you, dear, but it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, just just by avoiding the discussion of deficits somehow is going to make them go away. Again, I just all I could see is la, 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 la. I can't hear you. They're just putting their fingers in their ears. I just can't hear you right now. Um, all right, uh, Brad, <clears throat> two minutes. What uh, anything else you want to do a bigger summation or anything else you want to talk about before we let you go this morning? No, I just think. Whenever, whenever Randy or anybody else sits to themselves and say, well, I don't want to pay taxes, go back to that chart that Michael had up, look at where you are on that chart, look at what you're already paying and don't stop there. Don't stop. Well, I'm paying more. Yeah, but I can afford to pay a little bit more. Don't stop at that point. Think about what's going on in terms of the cross subsidy. You are paying more so that Sarah <coughs> has to pay, pay less. You are paying more so that Andy Josephson gets to pay less. You're even paying more so that Elise Galvin, who's the who's who's the wealthiest member, the one with the highest income on house finance, you're paying more so that Elise Galvin can pay less. The cross subsidies that are that are floating from the other 80% to the top 20%, particularly to those on house finance, particularly to those in the legislature, are just astounding. When, when Justin Ruffridge says, oh, I don't want to do a, an income tax. Hell no, you don't want to do an income tax. You're making money off of POMB 2575. I understand why you don't want to do an income tax. Right. But the other 80%, flat tax would be better for them. Yeah. I mean, Rand, Randy right now is paying at least four times, maybe six times, possibly even eight or nine times what Elise Galvin is paying towards state government, let alone people who are down in the lower 20% who are paying 18 times what Elise Galvin is paying towards government. I mean, it, and, and they're not just paying more. They are subsidizing Elise Galvin by paying more so that Elise Galvin can pay less. The cross subsidies, if you want to pay more, fine. But, but think about what you're, you think about who's getting the benefit of that. It isn't, it isn't K through 12. It isn't anything else. It's Elise Galvin. It's Sarah Hannon. It's Andy Josephson. They're the ones getting the benefit of you paying more because they get to pay less. Okay, Brad. <laughs> I don't know how to make it any clearer. I really, really don't know how to make it any clearer. Um, all right, my friend. Well, I appreciate you coming on board as always. It's a joy. It's a joy. <laughs> it's a joy. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. It's the learning hour. How about that? Let's call it that. The learning hour. We'll do that. That'll be it. All right, Brad. Michael, good to talk to you. Thanks so much. It's always good to hear from you, my friend. Thanks for being a part of it today. All right, Brad Keith, Lee Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, our guest. Uh, we're getting down to it. Uh, we're ready to uh, jump in. Hour two is dead ahead. Please like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Here we go. Oh, man. It's going to be a barn burner. Let's get to it, shall we?
put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs, MichaelDukeshow.com. State of Alaska, yep, on the radio stations, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to Hour 2 of the Big Radio Show. We are continuing now. Chris Story is going to be joining us at the end of the hour this morning. Uh, and we are going to talk about, uh, uh, well, we're going to get our life coaching lessons. We're going to get, get our life coaching lessons and we're going to... Uh, Uh, Get our uplift, which we need after talking with Brad. I mean, this is some brutal stuff, folks. This is some brutal stuff. I wish if you're listening on the radio and you didn't get a chance to see the charts, you go back and you read Brad Keithley's article in uh, in the landmine, his chart of the week, or you go back and watch the video on Facebook and you'll see we 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 showed the the uh, we showed the charts that he's talking about. And it just proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, whether intentional or unintentionally. The legislature is insulating itself from the cost of government. That's, uh, I mean, that's a, that's, that's the bottom line. They're insulating themselves from the cost of government, and uh, you know, making people a uh, pay. We were just talking about, um, you know, the the most, <clears throat> the wealthiest member of House Finance is Elise Galvin, according to her. Uh, according to her disclosure reports, she is, uh, you know, she's making a, a pretty good chunk of change. And as a percent of her income, she's paying about 1% towards state government. Um, and whereas people in the middle, upper middle, lower income are paying anywhere from four times, six times, eight times, or 18 times what she's paying towards state government. I mean, that's... Enough said right there. That that right there shows you. And then anytime somebody talks about it, and uh, and Brad was talking about Justin Ruffridge yesterday, asking the question of all these school administrators and education industrial complex folks who were in there touting about how we needed a new uh, BSA increase and how we have to have it. Otherwise, the children are all just going to die. I'm being a little dramatic, but you know what I mean. And he asked the question of, okay, well, where are we? Who, who's paying for it? Are you willing to pay for it? Should how should we? And they completely ignore the question. That tells you pretty much all you need to know. I mean, that, that really that that pretty much is it. They, I just don't know. I just don't know. That's a problem, my friends. That's a serious problem. Um, all right. Uh, it is, uh, it's just so, it's so frustrating to watch this kind of stuff and understand that they have absolutely no 
they just they're not even they're not even asking the right questions. You know, like how do we pay? For, I mean, the fact that they are going over the way that the budgets are presented to them, and they're like, "Oh, this, this, this thing where it shows deficits in the future that just doesn't reflect our our felt reality, how we feel that reality should be." <laughs> All I can think of is, you know, the facts don't care how you feel. You know, the bottom line is is um, the, the their facts. And just because it makes you uncomfortable to realize that we're going to be running deficits in a couple of years doesn't doesn't mean that you should, <clears throat> you know, redo how the how the uh, you know, how the whole thing is, uh, how the whole budget is presented and, and rejiggered just to show you uh, what you want to see. That makes no sense. I mean, that's the emperor has no clothes, people. That's what that is. The emperor has no clothes, but nobody wants to tell him. Don't tell me that we have a deficit. I don't want to hear that. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. Terry in the chat room says they don't care. I would disagree with that. I think in their own way they care, but they are so blinded by their philosophy. They're so blinded by the idea that government can't fail, that it can't. Oh, it, it's too big to, you know, we can't. Do, they just can't see beyond that. And it, it, it really it really comes back to this idea of cognitive dissonance, which we've talked about on the program before. Cognitive dissonance is when someone is presented with a set of facts that are so alien and antithetical to their own personal beliefs that it creates this resonance of they just can't they can't deal with it they can't see it you know it's 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 the uh, it's you know columbus's landing in the new world and the natives when they show up they can't see the ships that they're disembarking from they can't they're right there but their brains it is such an alien concept to them that they literally cannot see the ships. When, when you are faced with something that is so far outside, and that's what I think some of these legislators are, the, the, the trap that they're falling into. Government can't fail. It's, you know, we can't do that. We, we've got, this is the, I just, it's just, I just can't fathom it. Right? I just can't fathom it. It's astonishing. And yet they come, again, hat in hand, just looking at all this stuff. Uh, this uh, article yesterday, article this morning from Sean McGuire in the ADN talking about the, um, the, the what became a, a, essentially a, uh, a hearing on... Budget impacts facing schools. They brought a bunch of folks in to talk about it. The uh, It was a joint session of the House and Senate Education Committees on Monday. Lawmakers heard from superintendents and principals across the state of Alaska about the consequences of rising costs for districts from high inflation and flat funding. Here's the thing. They keep using this phrase, flat funding. And yes, the BSA has only had a slight marginal increase in the last seven years. It, it's, they've had an increase, but it's been slight. But they ignore all of the one-time funding. 
They ignore all of the bonuses and the forward funding and all the, they ignore all of that. And they, again, this is back to that Orwellian thing of flat funding because people who are not educated on the, the details of it or who are not tracking it from, you know, year to year would look at that and go flat funding. Well, that doesn't sound good. Never realizing that the flat funding that they're speaking of is specifically towards the BSA and not towards all the other one-time funding bills that have gone on and gone through. In the last 20 years, in education has education spending overall, including the flat funded BSA and and all but and all the one time has increased over 30%. But it's not enough. We spent $2.6, $2.7 billion on education in a state of 700,000 people. $2.7 billion. So they go through and they talk about, well, Fairbanks, they, they, uh, the, the, they unveiled their budget proposal for next fiscal year with a $28 million deficit. They're going to have to increase class sizes. They're going to have to eliminate 100 positions. They're going to have to close two more schools to close permanently. They're going to have to choose them. Uh, I, you know, this is what happens as things change. Change is inevitable. You cannot continue to prop up one side of the equation simply because you don't want, you know, people to be hurt or people to lose their jobs or yada, yada, yada. I mean, but again, they're going on and they're highlighting the fact that, well, we had 158 student uh, support positions, support positions that are empty. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. Superintendent Clayton Holland from the Kenai Peninsula School District was on hand and said they were facing a $13 million projected deficit. But they need a funding boost at least double that size just to get through the next three years. An annual funding boost, I'm assuming, of $26 million. He said the deficit means 95 teaching positions are at risk. Now, I have questions about this. I really, really do. Um, 95 teacher, are we just eliminating that? Is this one of those things where it's the felt pain syndrome? Remember when Tony Knowles was governor and we were facing a deficit? So what did he do? He told him to stop plowing highways. I mean, we were still going to spend a half a million dollars on paving the back parking lot of the DOT facility in Fairbanks, but we couldn't find $50,000 to plow the roads. Well, that's a different budget, Mike. That's it. You can, if you needed to, you could move some money around. You know, one of the programs they always threaten to cut, right? The arts and the music program. Oh, we need to cut those first. And and uh, Clayton Holland continues on that same vein. He goes and does that. He says the deficit means 95 teaching positions are at risk. And the school board is also potentially going to shutter the district's one swimming pool in Seward that Olympic gold medalist Lydia Jacoby used for training. We're going to close this. I mean, maybe. But again, it's tugging at the heart. We that you know what that means. You know what the quiet part out loud was. Oh, if you don't give us the money, we won't have any more Olympians coming out of Alaska because they couldn't. They just no. I mean, 
and yet we continue to go through here. We continue to go through all these commentary. The Northwest Arctic Borough School District Superintendent Terry Walker said there have been substantial cost increases. Healthcare costs are up 4.5 million. Well, what about consolidating all the healthcare from these very? There's already been several studies on this. They could save over $50 million simply on consolidating the health care of the various districts under one umbrella. Are they going to do it? But here they are. Oh, the $4.5 million in, in health care costs. They, they just don't want to. Kodiak Island School Borough District recently reported an extra $1 million in health insurance costs that had pushed the district further into deficit, according to the executive director of the Alaska Council of School Administrators. Well, again, you have poo-pooed and stymied any effort to consolidate and make efficiencies in these districts. And I'm supposed to feel bad for you, but the capper, the capper on this whole thing was uh, Gretchel, who is the Roy Gretchel, who's the president of the Alaska Superintendents Association. He's also the superintendent of the Haynes uh, Borough School District, said he would love to spend $100,000 to hire a dedicating, excuse me, a dedicated reading intervention specialist to fulfill the requirements of a reading bill passed in 2022, the Read by Nine. But he said it would drain the district's rainy day account. So you have something that's been put in law that you're going to arbitrarily ignore because you refuse to prioritize your spending in a way that doesn't force you to draw from the rainy day account. I mean, it's it, $100,000 to hire a dedicated reading intervention specialist to fulfill requirements of the statute passed in 2022. So you'll be out of compliance there as well because you just we would just drain our rainy day account. We we've cut to the bone. There is no room for error. Well, maybe we should bring an outside auditor in and start looking at this. I mean, geez, look what happened to Juno recently. I mean, maybe there should be an outside auditor for every borough school district. Maybe that's what should happen. Again, why aren't we talking about, you know, why don't why don't we you know talk about uh, um, uh, you know consolidating healthcare and all these other efficiencies that could go on? Why don't we do any of that? Why do they fight back at that but want more money? Maybe it's just about the wanting of the wanting of more money. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Chris Story's coming up at the end of the hour. Up next. I don't know what I'm... I, I might lose my mind. We're going to go. Back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um, 
they're always going to cut the things that hurt the most. I mean, right? That's always that's that's always with it. Fairbanks School District is laying off 78 teachers and zero administrators. But Melissa says that's not true. We have 350 worth of cuts to admin cuts, and I'm asking more in this budget. We cut 400k last year. Okay, well, good, Melissa. I, I keep keep up the good work. Um, Donna says, please see a full picture of education funding at Must Read. Um, I oh man, I wish I could follow those links. I would, I would, I would, I would just jump into that. Hold on a second here. Let me see if I can find this, find these two articles that uh, Donna just referenced here in the uh, in the chat room. Um, oh God. Uh, okay. Um, sorry, I just saw a headline that made my that made my blood run cold. It made my blood. I guess I'm going to click on this. this I, oh man, I wish I could follow. That's going to mess me up. Okay, come on. Give me the full. I want to see the full comments. This thing is killing me. Come on. Give me the full. Nope. Nope. There we go. It made my blood. I guess I'm going to click on this. There we go. So now I'm here myself. Okay. Uh, I had to actually launch my own. I'm in a time loop. I can see myself. I can look back 20 seconds. Give me the freaking comments. There we go. Thank you. Uh, this is such a pain in the ass. Okay, let me scroll backwards here. I'm going to see if I can get the... Okay, there's that one. Uh, see more. And there's that one. Okay. Now I'm going to close that because I don't want to be part of that right now. Okay. All right. Uh, so I got the two articles up. Um, uh, claims Alaska publication does not hold up to scrutiny. Oof, I didn't see this article. Um, maybe we'll have to read this article together. Maybe we'll have to read this article together um, and uh, and see what it goes. Thank you, Donna, for throwing those links out there. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, having gone through a number of corporate reorganizations in my career, yeah, it happens. It sucks. You get to drive further to a new and cheaper office. Coworkers lose their jobs and get a salary cut. Welcome to life. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. These things happen. Um, <laughs> we don't, we have an auditor and she was told out of money is the wrong answer. I kind of get that feeling. Don't you? Um, David said, I believe the Fairbanks School District is not firing teachers. It's not funding vacant positions, which, you know, that's uh, that's a chance there already. Okay. It's a good article. The Fairbanks and they want to they want to up the mill rate to generate more money. Yeah, of course they do. Again, everything at the expense, uh, the government spend at the expense of everything else. Tawny asked me, have I heard Tom McDonald and Ben Shapiro's new rap song called Facts? I have, in fact. It is hysterical. It is absolutely hysterical uh, to listen to that. Um, yeah, and I don't like rap music, but I like that one. I had to laugh because I was listening to that and I was just like, man, that is a slap in the face. Um here's the statement from the ASD's budget today. Moreover, we are committed to supporting the holistic well-being of our students and staff, this include practices that promote mental and behavioral health, trauma-informed approaches, social-emotional learning, and restorative ju justice practice. 
no reading, writing, and arithmetic in there, but boy, we got all this other stuff covered. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. All right. Many, many new teachers say the university system does not train them how to teach reading. I don't know. Maybe we've, maybe we've found part of the answer right there. Maybe that's part of the problem. All right. We're going to continue on here. Um, maybe we'll get Kevin on tomorrow to talk about his article in must read. I didn't see this article in must read either. So maybe we'll get it and talk, have him talk about it with us tomorrow. We'll see if he feels like it. Okay, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do it. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. Uh Uh-huh. I'm a pain in your whatever. Uh, Good morning. Welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. <laughs> uh, David Boyle, uh, one of a friend of the show, uh, education advocate, just posted a quote from the ASD budget, the Anchorage School District budget. Here's the statement. This is the sta- this might be part of the problem. I mean, I, I just I just want to throw this out there that this this might be This might be part of the problem. Here's the statement from the Anchorage School District's budget. Moreover, we are committed to supporting the holistic well-being of our students and staff. This includes practices that promote mental and behavioral health, trauma-informed approaches, social-emotional learning, and restorative justice practices. Now, you notice nowhere in there does it say basic reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's holistic. We need to find all these things. We need to teach you about all the feels. (laughs) I mean, that might be a real, that would be a, that's a real problem. Uh, And then Donna in the chat room shared me the link uh, from a story uh, on Sunday from Must Read Alaska from Bob Griffin who is with the Alaska Policy Forum. He serves on the board of the uh, Alaska Board of Education and Early Development as well. But he's he's writing this in his own capacity. And this article is, um, well, it's kind of telling. When you look at the total state expenditures um, for K-12, direct K-12 as a percentage of the gross state product, well, Alaska is number one, baby. We're number one with a bullet. Well, actually, Wyoming is slightly above us. We spend 4.77% of our gross state product on education. And these numbers are two years old. It was, uh, it was again, it's, two, it's 2021. The article goes on to say, and I'm I'm just going to kind of read through it here with you because this is some, this is some fascinating stuff, and I didn't have a time to concise it down. A recent major university study on the adequacy of K through 12 public edu- education spending finds that Alaska not only has one of the most adequately funded K 12 systems in the U S. It ha- it also has one of the most equitable ones. 
A January 24 joint report from Rutgers and the University of Miami says Alaska listed second in the nation for adequacy in K-12 funding in 2021 out of the 50 states and D.C. Not only was Alaska listed as one of the top most funded systems, Alaska was also highlighted as having one of the most equitable distributions of education funding to low-income students. A recent analysis from the Alaska Policy Forum reached a very similar conclusion using a different technique. It's widely accepted that spending on education will vary greatly based on the affluence of one place to another. It's no surprise that the U.S. spends more per student on K-12 than Mexico because the U.S. has a much more affluent population. Although Alaska has one of the highest per-student funding rates in the country, 12 states ranked higher than Alaska in wealth from personal income per capita. The policy form found that Alaska led the nation in 2022 in the amount of funding that was dedicated to K-12 compared to personal income in the state. The analysis was based on per-student spending figures from the NEA and personal income figures from the U.S. Department of Commerce Bureau of Economic Analysis. Alaska's spending on K-12 in the 21-22 school year was equal to 6.7% of all personal income. Luckily, oil revenues continued to pay for a very large portion of all the state spending. If Alaskans had to fund K-12 at our current level, it would take a 6.7% personal income tax of all Alaskans, rich or poor, with no deductions or exemptions, just to pay for K-12 at the current spending levels. The national average for K-12 spending relative to income was 40% lower in the rest, 46% lower in the rest of the states than Alaska. Florida, one of the highest performing states in K-12 test results, was less than half the effort of Alaska at 3.1%. Alaska does not have a K-12 funding program, says Bob Griffin. Uh, We have a resource allocation problem. Between 2003 and 2022, Alaska increased spending per student 98%, according to the NEA, while inflation was only 56%. Spending in K-12 on Alaska should be carefully refocused on areas we know will improve student outcomes. No, no, no. We need to be talking about, you know, social justice and emotional learning and all this other kind of stuff. No, no. We should be focusing on areas that will improve student outcomes, like continuing to improve early childhood literacy, reinforcing our best-in-the-country charter school program, solving our worst-in-the-country chronic absentee problem, and recruiting and retaining high-quality educators. This is a fantastic article, and uh, maybe we'll get Sarah Montalbano on on Monday to discuss this. This is... uh, I mean, this just kind of lays it out there when you look at it like that and realize that Alaska is spending more per capita on a per income basis than any other. But that number, six point, you would have to pay right now of your own personal income. You would have to write the check to the state for 6.7% of your annual income every year just to cover education. I just want that to sink in for a minute. Just to cover, that's none of the other stuff. None of the other stuff at all. 6.7% income tax 
just to cover education. And that's if you spread it to everyone, including people who don't pay taxes in the state, right? They don't make enough to pay taxes. So that means, yeah, your, your tax would be higher than that. I mean, that, I'm, my whole, my whole brain hurts. <laughs> I mean, my, that just, that just does it to you right there. Um, it's an excellent, I'm going to, I got to post this art. Well, I guess not already. I'm going to post it again. I'm going to post this article, uh, up in the, uh, in the chat room. So if you want to go back and look at it, it's, uh, again, it's by Bob Griffin. It's a must read Alaska. You should go check it out. Uh, because that is, that is some good stuff right there. That is some good stuff right there. What it lays out. And then Kevin McCabe actually wrote another article. How did I miss some of these articles? So I don't know. Sometimes must read their front page is just not, it's not as intuitive as I'd like. Let me just put it that way. It's not as intuitive as I would like because I missed this article from Kevin McCabe, The Pervasive Science of Truth in Favor of an Agenda. And he goes on to talk about, um, he goes on to, uh, uh, to talk about K through 12 funding and and uh, the outmigration of Alaska and everything else. So since uh, he's my rep, maybe I'll see if I can get him to come on uh, tomorrow uh, or Thursday to discuss that in detail. In detail, we'll see what we can do. Um, but I have not read the full thing yet, so I will I'll reserve judgment on that until just a, a little bit more. But folks, again, here's the problem: we need more money. This has become the mantra. Oh, we've got to have more. Got to have more. And yet we can show time and time and time again that, you know, you need to do better with what you have. You need to do better with what you have. But it's become a mantra. Again, this article in the Alaska Beacon from all these people who were part of the Raise the AKBSA. It's a group of parents, educators, support staff, paraprofessionals, and community leaders who advocate for raising the base student allocation. And that one, that one paragraph in here just becomes a mantra. Alaskans have advocated year after year through testimony, rallies, and letters to the editor to increase, to increase the BSA and improve student outcomes through public education, to raise the BSA to invest in our youth and future workforce, to raise the BSA to attract businesses to our communities, to raise the BSA to strengthen Alaska's economy, to raise the BSA to recruit, retain quality educators, support staff, and paraprofessionals, to raise the BSA to be a champion for all the wonderful public options our school district provides, to raise the BSA to turn water into wine to i mean that it's just it, it's again it's a mantra now i mean no analysis and again the, the whole comment about flat funding all of these things come together to form this narrative all of these things come together to form this narrative and it is unfortunate and it's frustrating to watch but Unless we start getting all the facts on our side, like this article from Rod Griffin, which makes some very, I think, powerful arguments, you know, we're never going to know. How much is too much? Well, no, no amount is too much. Well, if you had to pay 6.7% of your income right now, would that be too much? Well, wait a second. Well, wait a second. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Chris Story is up next. 
get us our positivity update. We're going to continue in just a moment. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, You have to read this article from David, uh, from Victor Hansen. Um, uh, do me a favor. Would you, um, uh, would you, David Boyle, would you please email me that link? It's, it's already off the screen on the other side. I can't, I don't want to mess with it. Can you email me that link or send it to me via messenger or something? I mean, email's probably easier. Um, Melissa said people need to learn the difference between deficit and debt. We are not 29 million in debt. We're only 9.6 million in debt, and we've got it figured out. While not ideal, we have it figured out with closing schools, cutting admin, and raising class sizes. Sounds like we're also contracting custodial time to do the hard thing districts, I don't know, don't want to do, or I don't know what she's saying there at the end. I mean, I understand the difference between deficit and debt. Um, deficits are budgetary amounts that are, you know, where the Income doesn't equal the outgo, right? That's the biggest thing there. That's the deficit. So they have a $29 million deficit, not a debt. Only $9.6 million in debt, they say. Yeah. Uh, people won't care until the PFD is gone and they're paying a tax and they're paying taxes, says Mike. I, you know, I don't even know if they'll care then, Mike. I mean, what we'll see is they'll vote, but they'll vote with their feet, just like they do in California, right? I mean, the outflow from California is massive right now, uh, because people just they've had enough. You know, they they took a paradise and turned it into a friggin' parking lot, to quote a song. Um, anyway. Uh, let me get Chris on the line because otherwise I'm just going to go on and on and on and on and on and on about this. Um, okay. Uh, let me get, uh, Mr. Story on the line. Let's see what he says here. Uh, look at that. Good morning, Michael. They call him. Mr. Story. How are you doing? Doing well, sir. Joni Mitchell. You're awful quiet um, this morning. Are you, uh, do I need? Yeah, you know, it's a different, it's a different headset. Um, it's a different. Yeah, so I'm using just a little bit different headset than normal. Can you turn yourself up a little bit? Because I've got you about maxed and I can, I have, I have a hard time hearing you. Uh, how about now? Oh, that's better. There you go. Okay. You've reached right. the sweet spot story. That's what I wanted. The sweet spot. I was I was saying Joni Mitchell saying about putting up a parking lot. Right. Just, uh, just to finish your quote. Yeah. That was tear down, t- tearing tearing down a par- uh, tearing down a, a paradise and putting up a parking lot. That's uh That's right. Um all right. Um 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to come down off the ledge here from what I was talking about earlier. I get so agitated. What are we going to talk about today, Brett? Destiny's Chris? Child. Chris, not Brad. Chris, we're going to talk about Destiny's yeah, Child. I, I mean, I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. You're still, you're still in PTSD post Brad. I get it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> post. The way that says that's a PT PTBS PTBS the post traumatic Brad syndrome. I mean, that's where we're at right now. That's right. Um, I also what was I gonna? What was the guy's name? I came across a very and this is totally out of left field for Chris. I came across a guy the other day after we talked. I had it was it was a really good uh, visit with you last week. I had a really enjoyable. Um, uh, really enjoyable. I really took away a lot from last week's discussion. Um, and then I stumbled across, oh my gosh, what is the guy's name? Um, um, a doctor. Uh, I'm sorry, I've got to scroll through 5 million YouTube videos that I've watched since last week. Um, um, looking for the doctor's name. He he had a super, uh, there we go. What's his name? Dr. Joe Dispenza. Have you ever heard of him? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's wonderful. I've got several, several books of his and his whole entire story from the moment he was hit on that bicycle and told essentially he'd never walk again to healing himself with his mind. He's an amazing, amazing individual. That story, uh, being struck, but from behind by a vehicle, uh, on a bicycle at 50 miles an hour or whatever, being told he'd never going to walk. And within 12 weeks, he was back training. Um, and then just some of his deeper, his deeper stuff talking about, you know, um, you know, analyzing the feelings of how you would feel if you would accomplish your goal. And I mean, it's some fascinating stuff. And I'd love to talk about that sometime in the future. Have you ever interviewed him or? No, I haven't. Um, he'd make a great interview, though. He'd make, a, as we say in the trade, a good get. A good get. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that would be fantastic. All right. Well, anyway, I'm sorry. I just, I thought about that here a minute ago. So you want to talk about Destiny's Child. Uh, don't go chasing waterfalls. Okay. You ready to go? We're going to, we're going to get back into it yeah. here. Yes. All right. I'm ready. Uh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's, uh, <clears throat> let's get going on it. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get, uh, let's get to it. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff here. We go. All right, uh, we are ready to go. Final segment for today's show The Guru of Positivity. Chris Story comes on board to uplift us from our doldrums. What we were just talking about, PTBSD, that's post-traumatic Brad syndrome. <laughs> I don't know. We're traumatized by Brad, and Chris is going to try and bring us back up. Today he wants to talk about Destiny's Child. Um, apparently he's a music lover. What What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, Michael. Yeah, leave it to you to actually know one of their songs. Destiny's Child, as I recall, was a wasn't that a '90s girl band? It was a '90s girl band. Yeah, I mean, come on, Destiny's Child included Beyonce. I mean, come on, this is the you know 
This is that is one. I thought she was a Spice Girl. I thought she was a Spice Girl. Yeah, uh exactly. Uh, Anyway, yeah, don't uh, you know? Don't (laughs) don't mess with the radio DJ for music. What? uh, But you want to talk about Destiny's Child? I'm assuming in another way. Yeah, Dr. Joseph Murphy immigrated to America from Ireland, my other adopted home country. And he wrote a book in 1963. He'd actually written numerous books in the 50s. But in 1963, he wrote a book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And in it, he said something that I think is probably the fundamental key, if not the, the finest distillation of any interpretation of success you want to call it, be it peace, peace of mind, happiness, uh, fulfillment, mindfulness, contentment, abundant thinking, positive thinking, optimism, whatever you want to call it, however you wish to define the word success. I think it's encapsulated here when he said, if you change your thoughts, you'll change your destiny. And so you've got a destiny that is ordained. It's out there. However, you can evade it. You can go off path. You can go off course by how you think and how you think and the thoughts that you predominantly entertain in your conscious mind, program your subconscious mind, and will either take you further afield or get you closer to your destiny. And he also gives this example that you once you hear it, you can never forget this, I guess you'd call it a, a paradigm, if you will, but in other words, your conscious mind is the captain of the ship, your subconscious mind is stoking the fire in the engine room and your subconscious mind doesn't care where you want to go. It'll take you there. If you, the captain are, you know, you set a course towards the rocks, your subconscious mind will take you there even faster and you crash, or you could set a waypoint to a, you know, tropical Island and it will take you there. So it's a combination of the two and working in harmony, understanding that if you change the way you think, you'll change and alter your destiny. Which is one of the few things that you have total and absolute control of, right? You don't have control of your circumstances a lot of times. You don't have control of outside forces and everything else, but you have control of how you think. I mean, what you just said reminds me of that old that old proverb of, you know, two natures beat within my breast. One is cursed, the other blessed. One I love, I want the one I hate but the one I feed will dominate. So what are you thinking? Are you thinking the cursed thoughts? Or are you thinking the blessed thoughts? Are you thinking the positive or are you thinking the negative? Um, we've all met the human Eeyore who is just like, everything's bad. Oh my God. It's a, I won the lottery. It's horrible. I had to pay taxes. I mean, whatever it is, it's always something negative. We've always met those people um, and they have let the, the negative dominate and program their mind. And I think that's why they continue to be miserable. You're saying, we choose to focus on the positive. And you can progress. So you said we've met those people, and I would submit to you, we've been those people. We are a I combination agree. I agree. of both. And it's the words you use. So you can choose to use different words and program your own mind to kind of in, set your ear, tune your ear to start to hear these things like, I can't afford X, Y, Z. I'll never have blank. Um, opportunities or for other people all those kinds of words that you might be habituated to using are actually programming your your subconscious mind and for good or bad better or worse it's up to you so you can find things like little phrases and sentences and zig ziglar was always promoting 
put up a little note on your mirror that you would see every single morning and night, and it might say something to remind you or put it on your dashboard um, or have a little three by five card with you because it's cues like these that actually trigger habits and habituating your mind to speaking in a certain way is going to change your destiny. It's going to change the outcome you experience over time. Opportunities are yeah. everywhere. Um, Catherine Ponder wrote a lot about there's gold dust in the air. And it sounds like a cheesy phrase, but when you say it a few times, it makes you realize all you have to do is pay attention. There's opportunity and abundance everywhere. No, I agree. I, I remember, uh, I love Zig Ziglar, uh, and reading some of his stuff, uh, you know, Augmandino, we've talked about him as well, but that idea of Ziglar of putting, I used to have some sticky notes on my mirror. I remember one time I took a dry erase marker and I wrote something in my rear view mirror on my car. Uh, it was a part of a goal that I was working on. And I remember every time looking up and just to look back to see who's behind me or whatever, I remember seeing that and it would trigger every time I see that it would, it would remind me of what my goal was. And that was a, it was super helpful. It was it was very. I don't know why I haven't done it in years, but it it definitely was something that caught my mind and caught my attention every time. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good idea. Thus, but you're such a bad boy. I, I picture you in a leather jacket and a Corvette, and in your mirror it says "Catch me if you can." True. Like that, true. But, yeah. Uh, exactly. It says badass. I mean, it says something up there. Uh, anyway. Uh, so how do we how do we fix it in our minds though, Chris? Because again, we're inundated. In today's society, in today's, you know, in this day and age, you know, we're, we're constantly, constantly um, just inundated with images and input and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. How do we how do we consolidate that down? How do we bring that to where we can constantly focus? Do you have some tips for us on how we can focus on our destiny that way? Well, I, I like the idea of if you're going to write something down and you take anything away from this, take away this, Dr. Joseph Murphy's words from 1963, if you change your thoughts, you'll change your destiny. Write that down, read it several times, think about it, decide what phrases you want to use and what, what ideology do you want to plant into your subconscious mind. Picture it as a garden and the seeds are the words you speak out loud and to yourself. And speaking of Zig Ziglar, while we're on that topic, he used to talk about if somebody came into your house and dumped a bunch of garbage in your living room, you'd probably go and get your, your gun or you'd call the police or you'd whip them or a combination of all three until they cleaned it up. And yet you speak to yourself. We speak to ourselves negatively all the time. We speak in a way that we'd never allow somebody else to speak to us. So start with yourself. Think about how do you want to behave? How do you want to show up in the world? Start programming your own mind with the words you want. And don't be afraid to carry around a three by five card to remind yourself. Keep it in your pocket, keep it discreet. You can keep it on your phone. You could also delete apps from your phone like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and make sure that you only go to those places when you're consciously meaning to, not by rote habit at a stoplight or in a doctor's waiting room or anywhere else, because we don't have <laughs> to let all that negativity come to us. We choose right. to have those things on our mobile devices that are with us 24-7, even in the bathroom in some cases. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. It's not just the negative. This is what I found in my life, Chris. It's not just the negativity. It's the constant input. I went through my phone here about a month ago, maybe three, four weeks, three weeks ago, maybe. And I realized that I was getting notifications 
I was getting so many notifications that they became meaningless, right? I mean, it was just like my phone was constantly full of stuff. And I went through and I blatantly deleted a bunch of apps, a bunch of stuff. I muted a bunch of things that I didn't really need to get. In a, and like my phone, I mean, I feel I don't feel any anxiety now picking up my phone. Like I got to scroll through three pages of notifications. It has made things a mm-hmm. lot better. Part of it is just the noise that we're continually bombarded with, not even just specifically negativity, but just so much. We need to focus on what's important. Yeah, absolutely. And recognizing that you have complete power over your subconscious mind. It needn't be left to your neighbors or somebody you haven't seen in 16 years or somebody from Sheboygan that just feels like posting something that now you have to take into your subconscious. You do not have to. You're the gatekeeper. You're the one that will determine what your subconscious focuses on. And so once we take that control and the power away from society or environment and we focus it, we hand over the reins. Change your thinking, alter the words you use consciously, and your subconscious mind will go to work on whatever it is you want, whatever destiny that you can imagine. It can be yours. So walk us, baby step us through this here. I always ask you to do this, but walk me through it like, uh, you know, talk to me like I'm five. I've never done any of this before. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Give me some steps to take so that I can grab hold of my own destiny or have my own destiny's child or walk through a waterfall or whatever it is that I'm doing. Walk me through it. Think about it. On the Backyard Millionaire Radio Show, we talk a lot about measuring your own personal return on investment. I call it PROI. And essentially, you're making sure you're using your own metric by which to measure your life, your results, your returns on any investment. That can apply across all spectrum of your life, from health, wealth, to prosperity, which is the amount of income you have going forward without working for it. So when you think about you know, health, wealth, and prosperity, and you think about your your destiny and where you want to go, you have to remember you are playing a different game than somebody else. And if you're measuring your life by their standards or their results or their efforts, you're you're maybe going to fall short or artificially measure yourself ahead of somebody else. So it's your game. Make sure you know where you want to go. What is your destiny? What do you want to get out of this one life you've got? And then set the standard for yourself. Use words that will uplift and affirm what it is you say you want. And then say those words to others and to yourself. And most importantly, to yourself. That's, I think, just if you go back to that, somebody dumping garbage in your living room and and take that analogy back to your own mind. Why would you let other people dump garbage into your mind and then alter your destiny because the words you use could be influenced by the garbage they're dumping. It's yep. not necessary. Yep. We have a hundred percent control over how we talk to ourselves and the words we use. You are hung by the tongue, snared by the words of your mouth, as the old book says. And uh, I think I couldn't agree more. I mean, words have power. Words have power over us. We've got our own subconscious and it is a powerful thing and it could be programmed for ill uh, it could be cro- programmed for idleness or it could be programmed for good. What are you going to pro- – and, you know, you have to make that as a conscious choice. Yeah, and your circle of trust is determined not just by proximity, by the people that are closest to you at work or or 
family or whatever. It's by choice. Those people aren't going to go anywhere, but you don't have to let them on your inner circle that influences your subconscious mind. You can yeah. put up some rails and guardrails and protect that subconscious mind because really that is ultimately going to be the driving force that works 24 seven, 365, or like you, Michael, eight days a week. <laughs> Chris story, the man from Homer final thoughts here, Chris, we got about 60 seconds. Well, we went from destiny's child to end with the Beatles. I don't think you can go more full circle than that. Other than to say, I really do appreciate these, these conversations. You said last week's meant something to you. It meant just as much, if not more to me. It's, so I get more out of these than you do, Michael. Probably. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. Let me come here. Well, week. they always say the teacher learns just as much, if not more than the student. And, uh, I definitely, that means one day I'm going to have to start teaching this because, uh, I need to learn more. It's always good to have you, my friend. I uh, appreciate you, and uh, thanks for coming on board and sharing with us today. My privilege. Have a great day. All right. Chris Story, the man from Homer, author of The Backyard Millionaire. You'll find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. All right, folks, we're out of time for tomorrow or for today. Tomorrow, Greg Musset talks about personal finance with kids, and then another guest in hour two. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, friends, Romans, countrymen, <laughs> uh, I appreciate all of you. Thank you for coming on board today and sharing with us and uh, just enjoying another start to another beautiful day. If you haven't checked us out yet on the Common Sense Core, I recommend you do. Check us out. Common Sense Core. It's how you support the show for as little as three bucks a month. You could be part of the Cool Kids Club. Go check it out. Thanks so much for being part of it today. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Live well.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.